0: Hello to another episode of Reflections with Raja, this is an opportunity to share some ideas and reflections and stories around ourselves meaning making purpose and how we navigate the world, I get to interview. Really badass people in my life that are doing incredible things and just a way to build community through the power of storytelling and healing. Today, I am so excited that we have Suresh Ramdas um, all the way from Bangalore, my hometown. And so really excited to have my first international guest, which is really exciting. So thank you, Suresh. For me, most of my uh, consciousness of you and your work is through your uh, your community activism and organizational work. But I also know you've done quite a bit of work in your professional life as well. So there's so many things to talk about today. But really, so tell me, what, what's your story?
1: Uh, my story... The person that I am right now, I'm completely or I completely was the opposite when I was growing up. I was I was never this confident, outgoing person. I was always a very shy and reserved person. Again, you know, it was not because of my parents or anything of that sort. I grew up in a very loving uh, family, I was the second born. So, you know, by default, I was a spoilt one, the loved one a little more. <laughs> uh-huh. So <clears throat> with that, I think I had a very, very interesting and a very loving uh, environment at home. But all that kind of really changed when I started going to school. And uh, people started kind of pointing out or calling out all the things wherein I was not fitting in as per the stereotype, right? Mm. So um, <clears throat> when I was growing up, I was uh, quite effeminate and I used to, you know, have my mannerisms or behaviors which were very, um, you know, as girly as what they would, uh, you know, call it out. And um, to top it off, uh, being dark-skinned also in India, um, or at least where I was in school, I was being called out for that as well, which I, you know, I was always struggling to understand, hey, why is this really happening? Uh, but from there to now, I think it's a sea change of, you know, the world has really changed. I have changed a lot.
0: Yeah, that's great. So tell me a little about Mr. Gay India. Um, mm-hmm. So you were Mr. Gay India 2019. Yeah. So tell me what that was like. How did that happen? And tell me a little bit more about the journey of both within India, what that was like to go through the process and then to go to the international Mr. Gay competition as well. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, So for me, um, I've been following Mr. Gay World India, you know, the platform for a couple of years before. And I was like, oh, I'm not really sure. Should I? Should I not? And You know, does it make sense for me to really be a part because I was 30 plus at that point in time? And, you know, how Mm. the modeling world and, you know, the whole fashion industry world really goes and where, you know, it's only in your 20s that you are, you know, at your best. And that's where the kind of people you want. So, but I was following and I was quite intrigued and I was excited, but I said, you know what, I kind of need to do a little more uh with regarding the work so when i decided to go in i went with the whole idea that i wanted to break quite a lot of stereotypes mm. so the stereotypes that i wanted to break was yes at the age of 37 you can still you know think of um you know going behind you know going for your dreams and um I was bald, <laughs> you know, I have this amazing hairstyle. So I said, you know what, can I break that stereotype as well? <laughs> <laughs> and as a South Indian brown guy, and who was an IT person. It was my childhood uh, dream as well, for a fact that I was always getting rejected, you know, or not accepted in places. So, you know, walking on the ramp and doing those uh, walk shows and you know ramp walk shows something that i was always excited about but i never got an opportunity and i said can i fulfill my dream in that as well and lastly Mr. india platform was an opportunity for me to take my voice further than the corporate place so because by that time um I was already doing some good amount of work for the community in the workspace. As in I was working on workplace inclusion for LGBTQ people. And I said, you know what, how can I broaden my horizon and how can I really reach out to more people, more communities in the sense like school colleges, you know, medical uh, facility options as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe this would probably give me that exposure. And I said, you know what, let's go for it. And I applied for it. And um, the interesting part also of the, the competition was they never asked you too many questions. So the only questions that they asked me was, am I Indian? Am I 18 plus? Are you out and proud gay person? And do you intend to do something for the community? So I was like, wow, this is like fun. So they didn't say, oh, you need to have six packs or you need to have hair on your head or you need to look at certain type. None of those questions, right? So I was like, wow, this is very inclusive and um, let's go for it. And that's where it kind of really got exciting, motivated, where uh, you know they had these panel discussions uh, where we had to talk about certain things about a project that we're going to really take it forward. And that is something to do for the community. Mm. So um, it could be anything, you know, <clears throat> it could be for um, mental health problems, uh, you know, um, substance abuse, or talking about HIV or trans inclusion or general awareness about the community as such. Sure. So we kind of went on with our projects, and, uh, you know, we also had a little bit of confidence and. You know, in the in the in the fact of uh, swim around, I know people think that that's a skin show. Yes, to an extent, you can call it, but I think it's also about the fact is how confident are you with the body that you are in because Mm. you know that's what they're looking at you know are you able to give those are you able to give some you know poses accordingly as to what is required it's just to test you you know put you in uncomfortable situations and can you really deal with that because I think if you win the title then you are going to be bombarded or be facing a lot of you know um surprise situations how do you really handle that and how confident are you with yourself so They were kind of testing all of that. And then uh, we also had, uh, you know, a talent round where you go ahead and showcase your talent. And um, then we also had a panel discussion where they're going to interview you and say, you know, throw as many questions as possible to see are you the best fit, you know, uh, all of that. So I think for me, that experience was very um, enriching in various forms forms and factors because the thing is that I was getting to meet so many influential people out there during the panel and I was again you know being this dark-skinned boy the brown boy that I was I was never that very confident about myself but Mm. you know what I had to put myself up there you know just wearing a you know a pair of swimming trunks and then out there You know, so for me, I think in a lot of ways, it was very helpful and it was very um, liberating. So I went through all the rounds. Yeah, end of date was the question answers and all of that that really came in. And I kind of really knocked the ball. I mean, you know, knocked it off and um, I was happy. And I think, you know, I always keep talking about this story, um, the fact that when they called out, When they announced the winner, I think it just went back to my um, younger days when they announced that, hey, Suresh Ramdas, you're the winner of Mr. Gay India 2019. When they gave me that, I just um, go back to my old days for a simple fact is that I was not wanting to live. At a very young age, uh, because of all the bullying of, for who I was, I was always um, mm. you know, not very happy to be myself. And I tried to kill myself, not once, but three times. <clears throat> but the third time, somehow, I kind of, you know, something within me told that, Suresh, don't do this. There is, um, you know, I don't think so. you need to do this. And there is a bigger purpose for you in life. Maybe you don't know that now. Uh, but you will figure that out. And uh, I stopped myself from doing that. And I also promised myself that I will never, ever, ever think about this again. And no matter what hurdles or what, uh, you know, issues are thrown at me, I think I'm going to face it. And even if I fall down, I'm going to stand up again and go keep moving forward. Wow. That's beautiful. So at that point, point in time when i was announced the winner i it just took me back to that time saying that you know i think now i know what my purpose in life is with all the struggles that i went through from childhood in college at work and the kind of you know it it was like a jigsaw puzzle where i was putting in all the pieces all through my life but still not able to figure out hey, what is this puzzle all about? But at that one moment, when I won the title and they gave me the prize, the award, you know, it just, I felt I was uplifted, uh, you know, and I was able to see my purpose in life, which is, you know, with the voice that I can really use, with the position that I can, with the position that I have, and with the privileges that I have, can I really be the voice for the community and take it and reach out to as many people as possible.
0: Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. People say you need to find your purpose and I felt on that day I found my purpose, which was to, you know, do a lot more work for the community. Yeah, that was
0: beautiful. I so appreciate you sharing and the vulnerability and the openness of I think of that many of us have gone through but as queer people of color and pretty as queer brown South Asians.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, I think for me it it was I definitely remember when I saw you make the announcement and then also go on to the international competition and wear that beautiful Krishna outfit (laughs) as someone from Bangalore, as a dark-skinned bald head person, as a gender queer person. Mm -hmm. um, It was nice to feel seen and represented. Um, And so I just really, and it, that it did not, you did not fit the Bollywood stereotype of what beauty is. Yes, Um, And yet worse, you know, we're also just, um, Showing up and and being proud of yourself and the confidence that you demonstrated it just was it was beautiful for me um, I remember just crying when I saw that image.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I still feel I don't know a lot and I'm still going through that learning journey, but uh, you know the fact that I I can really talk about it and um, you know maybe can that really inspire. That just one person somewhere in that one corner of the world so that he doesn't have to take those kind of extreme measures where, you know, I was pushed to take and there was nobody there to help me or support me. So for me, that is that is so strong because, um, you know, there's another story which somebody told me about the impact of, you know, being visible, you know, So this was told to be by one of the guys from Levi's, um, and they said the reason why they celebrate or, you know, even the fact that, you know, uh, putting out the clothes during Pride Month with the rainbow has such an immense impact, uh, you know, on people was one of the guys... Um, He was walking past a Levi's store being completely dejected, completely out, and he was wanting to kill himself. And he Mm. saw this jacket, which was about a pride uh, jacket that was there in the Levi's store. And uh, he saw that, stood there for some time, and he went back and he decided he's not going to do it that day. Mm. You know, so that, so that, 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 that power of visibility, you know, be it anything... Uh, sure. Kind of really pushed me, motivated me also in a lot of ways for me to be as visible as possible. Um, you know, people are really, uh, a lot of my friends are very concerned about me for a fact that I'm way too visible in a place where it is not very safe because um, anybody can just knock you off, right? Let's be honest mm-hmm. here. In India, it's not that difficult. If somebody's against you or something, you know, they can just take you off. But for me, I, you know, Realize the, the power of, you know, being visible and the, um, the fact that if I can put out, you know, pride colors on my social media or talk about myself being openly gay. Now, can that really, you know, just help that one person in somewhere who's reading, who's finding it so difficult to be his true self, have that hope that, you know, maybe mm. things are going to change for the future. I mean, that's the whole reason why I'm always, you know, I mean, anything about queer, anything about LGBTQ community people, I always talk about it and anything rainbow, I am, I go crazy. So every time I come down, I travel to, <laughs> you know, I travel abroad, um, you know, be it the US or be it uh, Europe or Australia, I always spend all most of my money on pride stuff. So <laughs> my boyfriend always kind of has issues with it. He's like, oh my God, your house is like a rainbow house. You know, anything and everything that <laughs> you see has to be having rainbow, be it paper, be it pens or be it even clothes, anything. Rainbow is too much. So, but then I feel it means a lot because in yeah. India, but a couple of years back, we didn't have anything rainbow, mm. right? So now it's picking up. But then that, that, the, the, the feeling of us seeing something rainbow, which means that, oh, this place is inclusive, or, you know, uh, there is some hope. You know, for me, every time I look at that, I always see hope. Yeah,
0: yeah, so, just remind that, that we are seen, right? And the power of belonging, yes. you talked about that earlier. And like, even yes. if it's, it's amazing, just a little image can make a huge difference in whether or not we feel mm-hmm. comfortable. Um, you know, I think in, in my work, I talk a lot about, uh, physical spaces how do you make physical spaces inclusive when it's just brick and mortar? But I think it's those symbols, right? And those ways that we're able to represent these different identities and our values in the work that we do that makes mm-hmm. such a difference for people. And how do we do that in an authentic way and not just, you know, put out a statement or whatever, but actually then follow that up with actually behavior that aligns with Inclusion around all these different identities, not just LGBT issues. True. So, tell me, um, what what would you say is a, your gift to
1: the world? Ah, oh, my gift to the world, I would say. I think is my strength to move on, no matter what comes through. Yeah, for me, I think it's my voice is my you know gift to the world because um again as i said now i know i've seen the jigsaw puzzles and i was not able to really understand that before but now i really see um you know i'm i'm a facilitator so i can walk up to anybody and have a conversation with them with absolutely no hesitation and um you know me being out and proud gay person and i have you know absolutely no qualms about that and um I will not, um, you know, budge just because somebody else does not, you know, accept me. I will still say I'm gay and I will use my voice to go ahead and talk to as many people as possible and let them know, you know what, you need to be in a world where it's more accepting and um, you need to continue to really spread that message out. So, yeah. If you
0: don't mind, would you talk a little bit about your own coming out experience and how your family reacted, how your community has reacted, any or any strategies you have for folks, especially if they're in India,
1: of uh, things that have been helpful for you in that process? Oh, sure. Definitely. Okay. So for me, my coming out was uh, when I was in my 30s is when I came out to my parents. When I was hmm. 31, 32 is when I came out to my parents again. I had no intention of coming out to them because I thought that they wouldn't understand. But, um, you know, as every typical Indian parent, most of the times, you know, they want, they arrange uh, the marriage for their kids. Right. And that kind of pretty much happened for me as well, where my parents were like, ha, you know what Suresh, it's time for you to get married and settle down and don't shrug away from your responsibilities and all of that. So, but by that time, I was very clear and I was like, you know, I always, say I was a thousand percent confirmed that I was gay and I love men and, you know, I, I just want to be with men, <laughs> mm. you know, so with that understanding of who I was, I was, you know, I told myself I would never, ever get married to a girl and screw up her life for no fault mm-hmm. of hers. hmm so, so uh with that continued going on my parents were still looking for a for a girl and you know how it's in there in indian traditions where you know horoscopes are to be matched and uh, which plays a very important role for the next conversation to go on and most of my uh you know uh, matches that were happening the horoscopes never matched so i i was telling my mom see even you know your god is also not wanting me to get married see because every other possible um you know horoscopes that are coming in of the girls are like getting rejected out there so you need to kind of really take that as a hint she's like no Suresh, you're not understanding you know there's only one girl for you in this life and you know we have to find and search you know so don't worry we will go through that process i said all right go ahead you know um, I've been telling y'all, I don't want to get married, but y'all are kind of pushing me into that. So uh-huh. do do your job. And uh, they did find one. And I was like, damn it. Okay. <laughs> you know, now the time for me to come out to them. And um, I had some, I wouldn't say backup plans or anything, but I'd made myself sure that no matter what comes through as the outcome of my coming out, I will you know stand strong and i will be there where i want to be i will not get swayed by my parents because i know a lot of emotional blackmail will be thrown at me
0: uh-huh. i
1: <laughs> i had i had already packed this suitcase of all my clothes just in case my parents decided to throw me out and i called a friend of mine and i told him you know what i'm coming out to my parents and if they throw me out i'm just coming over to your place so hmm uh, I was prepared with that. <clears throat> and um yeah, so I when they said, you know what, what's next to do and we need to get get you married, the girl is there, and so what'd you say? And I told my parents, hey, you know what, I don't think so I'm gonna get married because I'm gay and I'm not interested in getting married to girls. So the next couple of conversations or the next couple of hours of conversations were crazy. Um yeah. You know, it was back and forth with uh, trying to educate them, let them know what is it that I'm really feeling. And they were like, you know, you really don't understand what is the society going to think and, you know, what do you know about marriage or what do you know about not liking girls? And, you know, it was like too much of, uh, you know, uh, finding out sessions, I think, for my parents. And they you know, just lost it when they said I have tried it with a girl because you know how it's in India, you're never supposed to have sex before marriage. Sure, right? sure. <laughs> so all of that, that flipped them out and I told them I like guys, I'm physically and you know, sexually attracted to them and they asked me again, like, how do you know that? I've said I've tried, What in the world are you doing? You know, this is a sin and it is not right. Um but then they also kind of came down to the fact that, you know, they said Oh, Suresh, you're gonna be very upset about this. We're not gonna be happy, and this is, you know, hurting us. We are very sad. And see, that's where the emotional blackmail really came in. And I, of course, I took that in a different direction, and I told them this: Hey, you know what? You want me to get married because you feel that y'all are gonna be happy, all right? You know, any girl that you bring. And ask me to get married. I will get married to that girl. Mm. <clears throat> but but will I be happy? Never. Mm. Right. But y'all, do you all want to uh, be happy? I will do it for you all. And the fact is that, uh, <clears throat> you know, I will be ready to sacrifice most of my life to just see you all happy. I'm willing to do that. And after you are are gone, I don't have to be answerable to anybody. So then I will lead my life. I will divorce that girl and I will go on with my life and do what I have to do with my life. They were stunned. They were speechless. They really didn't know what to say. And to add on to that, I told them, you know what, dad and mom, you have brought me up with the right values. You have told me to be honest. You've told me to say the truth. Yes, I haven't said the truth until now because I felt it was not required. But now, it is a girl's life at stake. So I'm telling you all the truth. Yes, truth is never going to be easy to digest. But this is what it is. And at no point in time, I, won't, I would not be appreciative of the fact that if I get married to a girl and tomorrow she turns back and questions y'all on the way that y'all have brought me up. Saying that, how can you, I mean, is this the way that you'll have brought your son up who's telling lies, who doesn't stand up for himself? But then that is not what you all have taught me that, honestly, right? You have told me to be honest. You've told me to be truthful, stand up for the you know, right thing, even if it means the world is against you. So when I said all of these conversations back to my parents, they didn't have an answer. Hmm. Uh, They knew what I was saying was right. Uh, You know, it's not easy for you all to really go through that process, but that's who I am. And they were stunned. They were not able to accept the reality at that point in time. And they still struggle with it. You know, even after these many years of coming out and doing a lot, they still struggle because the fact is that, they are being brought up with a culture where it's only a woman who can fill a man's life or, you know, complete. Uh, not a man can make another man feel complete. And their, their, their belief system or their culture has really taught them that a man should get married to a woman and then they have to, you know, continue with their family and all of that. So... After a certain point in time, I I realized the fact that, you know, I don't think so the sexuality that they had issues with, they were more worried about concern about the fact is what's going to happen to Suresh after we are gone. Hmm. Who's going to take care of Suresh? Who's going to, you know, feed Suresh with all the lovely food, and who's going to take care of him when he falls sick, and you know, who's going to be there to, you know, pamper him and all of that? Which they assume, as per their thought process or their upbringing, that a girl will always do that. Mm. So it, it it has been a struggle. It has definitely not been easy on them. And I feel bad also that they have to go through because we are in an environment or we are in a society which is not accepting of people for who they are and they have to be of a certain you know stereotype and be through that process. I feel bad for them, but I said, you know what, it's one life that I have and I don't want to kind of live it for somebody else. I want to live it for myself. So sure. You know, if it's going to be a battle, I'm going to fight that out, no matter matter, even if it's my parents. I'm for sure they would understand sooner or later. And I feel that. I somehow feel that they're getting it, but they don't want to, you know, because... (laughs) You know, if they believe about my belief system, then their entire belief system comes crashing down. So, whatever sure. they have been taught all these 60 and 70 years, so all through their life, whatever they have been taught, whatever they have been brought up with, you know, becomes a false statement. And I think they're holding on to that, hmm. you know, because that is their only one source of, um, uh, you know, relatability. Because if they relate right. to mine, then everything, what they think is false. Right. 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 So, yeah, which, which I'm okay with as well, you know, because ever since after that, you know, a lot of conversation and taking that to a psychiatrist. And ever since after that, they have never asked me to get married. Mm. Until my relatives come in and poke and say, oh, when is your son getting married? You know, it's mm. that typical traditional relative question. Oh, when is your son getting married? And my mom will obviously you know she gets a little flustered and she like look at this everybody's asking when you going to get married and what do i answer
0: right right
1: cool. you're speaking
0: so much truth to me right now so it's because of the, you, you've just told the story of what my family has kind of how they have reacted and um I mean, pretty much i think it's almost like a script that all yeah. indian parents follow <laughs> um and so really just appreciate just the naming of all the, who, what will people think? What will they say? What did I do wrong? And the, right. the emotional blackmail and all that stuff. It, I think it's uh, one, I just appreciate your openness to sharing that journey and that you were brave enough to kind of hold that space. And I think for me, while I've come out to my parents, mm-hmm. like um, there's still quite a bit of um, avoidance of the topic. And at this point, you know they don't even talk about it it's just uh mm-hmm. whenever i call people my family in india it's just uh how are you having mm-hmm. that's about and that's it like we we mm-hmm. stay pretty superficial because if it gets any deeper we know it's like there's there's just a lot of
1: trauma and drama that's involved so mm-hmm. yeah, i mean it's still the same here as well for me it's you know uh my parents stay with me and um uh, uh, you know we talk about everything else apart from that mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know uh they know that I've attended. I do attend all these events. I know my parents are happy. You know, I've seen that in some of the conversations. I know my mum has certain of these uh, newspaper articles that she has um, collected. So I know that mm. they are they are happy. They're proud, but they don't want to talk about it because you know, oh my god, how can I say how can I say that I'm proud of my son being gay? You know, sure, they're still going sure. through that process, but I feel um, you know that's okay. I'm happy with the fact that they are probably not over enthusiastic. You know, I wish they were, but they're not. That's reality. But they're not forcing me down the marriage, or they are. I'm not having fights with them about these things. I think that, that there's a give and take. I know it shouldn't be there between parents and kids, but you know, there's still more work and still more awareness that needs to go through in the world that. You know, an ideal scenario, they accept us for who we are, but it is not. So can we, you know, accept the reality and move forward? So,
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, no, that happy. makes sense. That makes sense. And how, how has your brother reacted?
1: <laughs> well, we have a little bit of a love-hate relationship. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we don't kind of get into each other's lives, um, but he knows about it uh my sister in law knows about it as well and i think um they they are fine my beautiful two brats my niece and nephew know as well mm, okay. it, but, okay. but but not completely they don't know that you know what is gay and all of that uh everybody in my family in the sense my parents my brother my sister in law my uh, nieces and nephews they have met my partner mm my niece and nephew adore him. And I think they love to spend more time with us as together rather than their parents, because I, you know, they see that we laugh, we, you know, play games, we chitter chatter, we watch movies together and all of that. And they kind of enjoy that, you know? So, uh, my, my niece now she's 10 and she knows, my boyfriend as a very special special friend that's how she's called <laughs> Uh uh-huh, dad uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I must
0: say you both are so adorable um Thank i just you. so appreciate the post that you put out there and it's just it's it's just from social media it seems there's mm-hmm. just the, the love is really deep and it's
1: really sweet to see
0: the two of you together so mm-hmm.
1: that's great um yeah i mean it, it looks good but then you know there is a lot of uh regular relationship struggles that everybody has,
0: you know, but we
1: kind of just uh, get along with that and then move forward. You know, I think that's how it is. And I think for, you know, relationships in LGBTQ community, especially gay relationships are not that easy. They're very, very difficult. And, um, you know, sustaining it and kind of moving forward and having that same mindset you know is not that easy to find so yeah i think i've been blessed and lucky in that aspect yeah and i think
0: for me at least it's like you know we just don't have the the frameworks and the model role models for that right Mm -hmm. and so we're kind of making stuff up as we're going and so i think that also just yeah adds to the to the journey and the values and stuff so that's great yep So I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Just given all the work that you're doing um, and to the listeners that are listening to the podcast, what's Mm -hmm. something that we can all do to make this world a little better?
1: Oh, first thing that comes into my mind is all the out and proud people. uh, Own your privilege, own your uh, position and try to work for the people who really need that support and that help. You know, imagine, Mm -hmm. I always tell this to people uh, in India as well. You're out and proud. You have a certain privilege. Now use that. Can you educate others? Please do it. You may find it boring. Forget about it. Think of the others, you know, uh, and that position that you're in, you are in uh, a city, you are working in an IT organization or wherever that is, you're working, you're out and proud use that opportunity as people in the west you know so this is how i'd always tell for the folks who are there in the u.s especially i would tell that never ever get bored of the pride marches the Mm. pride events because whether you like it or not the entire world now looks up to the united states of america you all have set that benchmark and if Y'all at any point in time, say you're bored about, bored about the pride marches or events or whatever it is, you know, before the orange man came in, <laughs> you know, if you'll get, if you all stop doing that, a lot of the other countries where it is difficult to even survive will have no hope. Mm hmm. You know, so I've always told this to people when I've come down to the U.S. that, you know, some people say, oh, it's another pride march. Oh, I've been there all my life. But we people, you know, I mean, yes, now India is also one of those recognized countries. But before that, we always used to look up to those pride marches because at times we were not able to have them. So even in places like, even places where it's discriminated, where it is criminal to be who you are, we look up to those pride marches. We look up to those rainbow flags going out there in so much joy and so much happiness that we see hope, saying that, you know what, hopefully we will have this here in our country. I don't know whether it's going to happen in my lifetime, but I hope it's going to be there, right? So that hope is so powerful. And as again, as I said, right at the start, you know, you know your privileges, you know your position, own it up and use it for the others i think that's very important and um, you know i think we need to start looking beyond ourselves and see what can we do for another person who is not in our position we talk about equity we talk about equality let's go beyond that right mm. justice justice yeah sure, sure. how sure. can we really bring that conversation on the table that it's whether we like it or not the ones who are privileged the ones who are in position the ones who are in power are able to bring those changes so why can't we do that because we are in that position you know it in any small way yeah that's great thank you being aware and, and proud of the privilege of being
0: able to be out and open i think it's definitely important and, mm-hmm. and so i appreciate you naming that mm-hmm. um In doing this work, I also have found that it it can get exhausting at times. Mm -hmm. So what nourishes you in this process and to continue to do this work the way you do it?
1: Well, I do have my down times, definitely. But I think um, the fact that I can bring a joy in somebody's life, be it a smile, or just when I meet them, they say, thank you for doing this. I think that Mm. really nourishes me and being open and out on social media so all my profiles on social media are all public and I leave it out there for people to see and when I get those messages from people saying that thank you so much for doing whatever you're doing we're very happy that we can see somebody who is uh, out there probably talking for us I think that energizes me and that excites me and that motivates me to do more that's beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then
0: just a second to last question, um, who inspires you in this work in the world?
1: Uh, there are there are many people, <laughs> um, you know, uh, people from across the globe. I think the people that I connect with uh, who have been doing so much work in, you know, in this field for uh, equality, for acceptance, I think, the activists in India, you know, um, yeah. Anybody and everybody who is working for the cause, I think I get motivated because uh, there is something in each one that is doing the right thing and for the right cause, mm. you know, be even with a habit, you know, of probably texting somebody or reading all the messages. So I never used to read all messages, but then this one person told me that, uh you know uh he was able to save somebody's life because he was able mm. to just respond to that message so i'm like okay all right i will try as much as possible to respond to all messages which you know have that sense of urgency or it's just not a hello hi but also it's you know for that specific post that i'm doing or it could be on mental health issues or it could be on being out And somebody says, hello, then I respond to that. And then, you know, the conversation really goes. And um, so I've I've tried to kind of, you know, get inspired and inculcate that in some of my day-to-day life. That's beautiful. Um,
0: Is there anything else, any concluding thoughts or ideas that you'd like to share before you wrap up?
1: Um, I would just say um, to everybody who's listening, I think, uh, especially for the folks in the U.S., um, Stay strong, uh, you know, uh, fight it on. It's not gonna be an easy battle. And I always uh, think of what our previous generations have done, uh, be it in India or be it in US. I get inspired by even Harvey Milk for the work that, you know, he's done and he's brought that change. And then there's Marsha, you know, all of them who've kind of contributed to this uh, work. It's not a just place well we need to fight for it and uh, we will survive and thrive
0: thank you Suresh you continue to be an inspiration for me and for so many others I know that um, and I just so appreciate your time and the wisdom and the work that you're doing special thanks to Raphael Marks who plays our lead-in song today ukulele song and um, join us on another episode of reflection with Raja thank you so much